Hello and welcome back to the Be A Better Ally podcast. My name is Trisha Friedman. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. This week, it was actually really great to see some listeners of the show turn up to the NEASC webinar on AI and education. Um, I appreciated you letting me know that you were there. And listeners, if you missed that webinar, NEASC has made the recording free to view. I'm going to include it over there in the show notes. For those of you who are following me for more about AI and inclusion and equity, I want to remind you that our Shifting Schools Leading in the Era of AI course remains free. We had a lot of folks reach out and say that the September 20th cutoff date for that came up too quickly. They needed a little more time. And so we have decided to keep that course free. You'll also find more information about that in the show notes. Also in the show notes, you're going to find a link to my webpage where you can sign up for the free Be A Better Ally newsletter. Uh, you'll be able to find out more about ways to learn with me throughout the year through that newsletter. And you're also going to find out how you can win a free copy of the book, All the Fighting Parts. That's what we're talking about this week. Um, it is one of those books that I am recommending to everyone. It is a book that I'm saying is going to sit forever in my heart for a very long time. So let me tell you about the author and this week's incredible guest, Hannah V. Sawyer. Hannah V. Sawyer is a Sierra Leonean American writer with a passion for people and storytelling. She's here to discuss her debut novel, All the Fighting Parts, which is told through court transcripts, journal entries, and poetry. It's been out since, since September the 19th. Um, again, Hannah is an award-winning writer. She's also an educator herself. You might want to check out her original poem for girls growing up into their hips. She was awarded a national medal in the NAACP Afro-Academic Cultural Technological, Technological and Scientific Olympics in the category of poetry for that poem. Her spoken word has been featured on the British Broadcasting Channel, that's BBC's World Have Your Say program, as well as the National Educational Association's Do You Hear Us campaign. Her written word has been featured in so many publications, that's Galdem, Rookie, Sacy Mag, and more. She holds a BA in English from Morgan State University and an MFA in Creative Writing from The New School. Currently, she is the visiting assistant professor of creative writing at Loyola Marymount University. You're going to be able to learn much more about her in the show notes. Hope you enjoy our conversation about the book and it encourages you to enter to win a free copy and also to let your local library and your school librarian know to stock up on this book. Welcome to the show, Hannah V. Sawyer. Hannah, your brand new beautiful book, All the, Fight All the Fighting Parts, is a novel in verse that tells the story of a 16-year-old struggle with being sexually assaulted in a church community. The book takes a very critical look at power, at silence, and also at friendship and family. Uh, the book, of course, very much is for teens, but as I was reading, as an adult reader myself, it also feels like this is a book for adults who want to think more critically about what it means to support teens and young folks in their life. And I'm wondering if you could say a little bit more about your intentions with the audience um, and whether or not my take that like, hey, adults, you should also pick up this book. That's a terrible take. Feel free to, to push back accordingly. No, I think, thank you so much. I think adults can definitely pick up 
all the fighting parts. Um, it is YA, so I definitely had a teen reader in mind. But I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I wrote the book because of things that I needed to hear as an adult. And so I definitely think adult readers can pick up the book, whether it's to support young people that they know who are survivors or if they're a survivor themselves. I think, you know, first and foremost, I did write the book for survivors too, but um, I think more specifically, something that I really, really struggled with was feeling like, why me? And also, like, how did this happen to me? And I think I, I questioned that quite a lot because when I came forward, I had quite a few people from my former community that were like, but you're so loud, you're so this, like, how, how did this happen to you? And that took a real toll on me. And I mean, as I've grown, I've realized that like, that's not a factor, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I wish I had the language to say that when I was younger. And if I could go back, I would say those things, but I really struggled with that. And so that's why I wrote Amina in a way where she, you know, she starts off the book and she's like, you can kind of feel her anger, right? Like I wanted her to be this like loud, you know, girl and this girl who always knows how to defend herself because I wanted to prove to myself that one, I was worthy of love despite how people perceived me. Um, but two, like, like that stuff doesn't really matter. Like I think I spent a lot of time feeling very, very ashamed. Like I should have protected myself and I didn't really consider the fact that I should have been protected despite the way that people thought of me when I was younger. Um, and so I, I really wrote it for loud and angry girls too. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I really appreciate that because I think we're only sort of just entering into like a, a societal conversation about the purpose of rage and that actually rage does have, you know, benefits to it. And actually, you know, especially for anyone who is marginalized, especially for young girls, like they're constantly told to be quiet, right? They're constantly being put in a position uh, where it's sort of like the silence is what's going to keep you safe. Like, how dare you, um, you know, and of course, in the headlines right now, we're dealing with another kind of celebrity and folks sticking up for him in this conversation about how many voices does it take for, you know, how many people have to come forward. And as I say that, I realize we could be recording this conversation at any point because I kind of feel like that narrative comes up again and again and again. Um, and Amina's rage, like I'm, I'm, I think it's so important that she has that. She also has, you know, these cycles of shame and guilt. And for me, I feel like for the YA reader, I think sometimes in the past, YA books didn't get that complexity of teenage emotions and the subtleties and the nuances. And I think you so respect your teen reader in that, um, you know, for a novel in verse to show the complexities of all of those emotions, like, you know, like your craft as a writer really shines through, but I think it's also so important that we don't portray teens as like only having a certain range of emotion. I'm wondering like, you know, how important that was for you to commit, uh, convey with not just Amina, but uh, the whole cast of characters in your book. There are just so many young survivors who 
for so many reasons are just not protected. I think Amina, she's not, or, or you know, like she feels, and I will say she's not as protected because she's a teenager that's known for always, you know, talking back. She's always known for fighting. And, you know, she does well in school, right? So like her grades are good. That was not my case. Um, but she has like this little attitude on her. And I know for me, you know, that wasn't in, completely my experience. I did not do well in school, but for me, it was more so I didn't have good grades. Um, I, I did always talk back, <laughs> so that part was true. Um, but there are just so many reasons that folks and especially adults fail to protect young people. Um, and I, I really wanted to tap into that in this like myth of there being a perfect survivor because the fact of the matter is I have so many friends who are survivors and all of us feel like or we've all struggled with feeling like there's something that we could have done differently or we should have been different right and I just I, I really wanted to address that and so for me I decided to write this girl who does have a range of emotions um, because I wanted to prove that despite how we feel about ourselves, despite our struggles, that, you know, it doesn't matter. Like we should be protected and we should have people that want to defend us. Right. And there are so many times when I wish that an adult intervened for me, um, before the fact, but even after the fact, there are ways that I think adults fail survivors and young survivors when they come forward. And I, I, you know, I wish I could rewrite that and I can't, but I'm hoping that survivors that pick up my book can find even just a piece of solace in knowing Amina's story and just knowing that the feelings that they're feeling aren't, aren't unusual and they're not strange. And it's not, you're not asking for too much to hope that people would want to protect you. Yeah. Um, again it's sort of like where is that bar and is that bar in the same place for everyone and are you sure about that and how do you really know um I, I definitely think we've got a lot of interaction in the book in terms of how adults respond to her and of course this is also the context of it all happening in a church community with a pastor so we have this huge power imbalance right um and i think that's a really important one because I yeah. don't, I don't think, you know, again, most listeners of this show are in education and that's a really important power balance to always be thinking about. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy that that gets conveyed and I really think we'll hopefully make folks think and question about the way in which we respond, especially when that response means so, so much. Yeah. Um, Hannah, in a, in a previous interview, you've mentioned that Maya Angelou's letter to my daughter is a big influence to you as a writer. And um, I was thinking about that in light of all the fighting parts. You know, this is a, a text where you also really have the complexities of the child and, and parent relationship. Um, you know, both that's kind of a thematic thing and, and comes up in the stylistic choices that you make. And yours is a book too that weaves journaling, poetry, text message exchanges. And I'm wondering if you want to say a little bit more about not just how you've been influenced, but you know your your work. Not just this book has been critically acclaimed. Um, how how do you hope this book might influence 
other aspiring writers. Um, you know, many of, of the listeners of the show will have young folks in their classes um, who, you know, again, are, are trying to find their craft and their voice. And I'm wondering what you're hoping this book leaves for them. I think I want to say that I, when it comes to writers, I want to challenge writers to write the scary thing at your own pace. Um, and I say that because all the fighting parts was such a rewarding, it, it was so, it was so rewarding to write for me and so therapeutic, but I had to write it when I was ready to write it. Um, before writing all the fighting parts, I went about, I want to say a little over a year, not being able to write anything at all. Um, and I think I had to write all the fighting parts first and foremost for me. Um, and I think I really did have myself in mind too. <laughs> I'm thinking about your last question with audience. I think I had myself in mind first, um, but that's because I needed it. And it was a very scary thing, but it was super rewarding for me. And I, it, that doesn't mean you have to write a whole novel, um, but I, I do want to challenge folks to write the thing that they might be afraid of um, at your own pace. Um, and not even necessarily for publication. It can happen. I mean, it happened for me. Um, and if it does, great. But I think first and foremost, I had to do it for myself. And I had to reach a point where I was ready to write the thing. Like I was ready to stop running away from the thing that scared me. I, I'm interested in that note that you mentioned about like it might not necessarily be for publication because uh, you know I've, I've been very fortunate to host a range of writers on this show and I, I think something that I've learned in those interviews is like how daunting that all those stages are like pitching the book working with the editor getting the cover art right dealing with the reception of audience and dealing with the you know the reality too, that sometimes there are reviews that are done by bots, right? Like being a writer in today's world is wild, um, you know, compared to just how, you know, folks can reach out and, and they can be leaving reviews on, on Goodreads or saying things about the book on Twitter. And it might be a real person. It might not all of those factors. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering, was it sort of you feeling ready to write the book at the same time that you knew you were going to have to go through all of those additional, like that's sort of like a labyrinth. Um, like, did that kind of happen in a linear fashion for you or, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of just curious about that stage of, of the process or was it, I knew that I had an editor that I could trust with this. Um, I gotta be honest. I don't think I was thinking about publication when I started all the fighting parts. But when I was, I think once I really started getting into it, I was like, what if, okay, so what if that could happen? Um, and then I, there was um, an organization called Pitch Wars, which no longer exists, which makes me sad. Um, but I applied to Pitch Wars on a whim. And then I got into Pitch Wars and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I queried, but I think every step of the journey, I was kind of just like, okay, what if, but I wasn't expecting much. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's super, super special to me, but I, I really think first and foremost, I wanted to write the book 
because I felt like I really needed to. Which is why I say like, I, I really, really do recommend writing the book that you feel you need to write. Not even necessarily the book that you're afraid of because fear is, listen, I'm not, I don't play with fear, <laughs> right? You need to be ready to approach fear, but just like read the book that, write the book that you think you need to write. And I think all the fighting parts was the book that I needed to write for myself. Mm. Was part of that being ready for you also, this is on my mind because I was just learning about um, another book that's come out that's all about sort of um, what self-care actually is and what it isn't and how, you know, like the wellness industry is this like $40 billion industry where we try to tell ourselves like self-care is that really expensive candle and that, you know, like super expensive latte when actually it's like, you know, it's things like boundaries, power, like stuff that is hard and is not easy, but having like a true support system that really does mirror your personal values. And that part of that is also, um, you know, not everybody has access to saying no in the same way. Um, and there are consequences. So I'm kind of wondering self-care in the way that like real self-care, not candles and bubble bath. Did you also sort of have some sort of additional support network around you or some other like critical readers or just good friends that knew you're working on this really daunting creative task who could check in with you? Like, was there, was there anything else that you had going on that like, these are going to be some important guardrails maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Well, therapy. <laughs> so that was the thing, <laughs> but it took a while for me to get it right. My first and second therapists were not it for me. Like it, it didn't really work. And I, I think we, we see that with Amina too. The first therapist she ever sees it, not a match. Um, so first and foremost, therapy, the third therapist I ever had, um, I, I don't see her anymore because she was in Brooklyn and now I live in LA. Um, so I'm, I'm currently searching again, <laughs> but um, therapy, but also I think that's why I wrote Amina's story with her having the community that she had, because I think I really longed for that. I feel like I always, like I, I had a very supportive community, but I didn't know a lot of survivors at the time. And so I felt like, I felt like I, and this, this is not anything on the people who were around me because they were incredibly supportive, but there are things that I wanted to share that I immediately wrote it off like, okay, they won't get it. <laughs> and I think Amina, you know, it does, she doesn't say that on the page, but I think she kind of struggles with something very, very similar. Like the people around her want to support her, but she doesn't, throughout the book, there are times when she doesn't really want that support or she doesn't know how to accept that support. And so that was something that I really, really struggled with for a long time. Um, and I think it was around, I want to say, maybe 2020, that that outlook kind of changed for me. Um, and I also kind of realized that there's so many of us that have these experiences that just don't talk about them. And I realized that after I had friends who I had been friends with for so long that were like, 
like they had that conversation with me and they let me know that that they experienced something that was similar and I was like whoa like I convinced myself for so long that nobody gets it and I have all of these people who do and even the people around me who don't necessarily understand my situation I think I really struggled to understand the fact that they wanted to support me and this whole time I was just kind of not willing to accept that support um and I think it was around 2020 that I and I, I <laughs> there's so much of me and Amina <laughs> I think it was around 2020 it took me a long time it took me way longer <laughs> than it took Amina <laughs> to kind of get with the program but I think it was around 2020 that I realized not only do I have a community of people who support me, but I had so many people who were supporting me and wanted to support me and I couldn't see it. I mean, I was fighting for my life, but you know, well, that's the I thing, I but I, you know, it's interesting because I think that really taps into, this is almost a year ago that uh, Marissa Renee Lee came on the show to talk about the book grief is love. And that book is all about you know, we so often want to put, whenever we're experiencing trauma, we want to like fast track it, right? Like this happened and I have maybe a year where I can be upset about it. And then I've got to just like, you know, it's a very kind of like Western society notion of like, all right, the clock is ticking for you to like, be able to, you know, be in a state of grief. And, uh, her book is all about the fact that, you know, trauma doesn't have, you know, like, okay, it's over now you're past it. Right. Like you're through that hard thing. Um, and I, I think that's, it's just such an important message that, you know, it's not that for Amina or for you, it took a long time. Like it, it takes time. And I, I think, you know, I don't want to give away too much in the book, but we have another survivor who experiences her, her trauma and makes very different choices, but the book does so well, I think to convey the message that it's sort of there's no right way to be processing it or to be processing your emotions. And I felt like that is such an important story because again, I think there's so many, um, I don't know, like mainstream media stories that try to portray, like, this is the version of the air quotes, good victim, right? Um, here's the way that you should, you should struggle, or here's the way that you should experience it. And, And your book, I think really just kind of blows that up in a sort of like, no, there's, you know, we, we all have different responses to different events in our lives. Right. And that's not about right and wrong. That's about like respecting our humanity. I love, I love what you just said. And I think it's so important. Um, I love that character too. Uh, I'm also not going to say too much because I don't want to spoil, but I love that character and I love that character's narrative. Um, and it's, it's so, it was so important to me to include that, but you know, I think for me, my experience was that I grew up thinking that I was too loud, but if I didn't think I was too loud, I would think I was too quiet and I would think I was too this or too that. And that's the thing when it comes to victim blaming, like we're always blaming ourselves and, and abusers rarely take any, like they take any accountability (laughs) for what they do, but we're always thinking about the million and one ways we could have and should have been different right yeah well and that's you know again I think schools for our educator audience there's often a lot of education around like to 
the girls at school around like, here's what you can do to keep yourself safe. Right. And like, I'm in my forties, most other women I know who are in that age range, like we all have like the things that we can tell you that you're supposed to do to keep yourself safe. But my brother's never received any kind of messaging around like, here's how you can not assault or here's what you can do to also like, you know, check in with your friend group and make sure, um, you know, so, so that I, I know some schools are doing a much better job now around that educational piece and having more conversations earlier and earlier about consent, which is a good thing, but I think we still have, um, a long way to go. You know, I, I, I still occasionally work with a school where they have a dress code that is very much about shaming girls and kind of presenting it as like, you don't want to be a distraction. And it's like the no tank tops. Yes. Cancel your shoulders. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All that yeah. stuff. Um, Hannah, your book has so much to say about silence, both in theme, but again, in style, we have a lot of powerful line breaks, just, you know, craftful use of, of pausing throughout the book, which I caught myself as a reader, like, right, I'm supposed to sit with this for a little bit. And you're really guided through that. Um, at the same time, the book is very much, you know, uh, having us, I think, grapple with what's unspoken. What are we not hearing our friends say? What are we not hearing our family say? I'm thinking specifically here, um, page 141, a wall of protection and what Amina shares about some girls getting protection and others needing to do that protection for themselves. Um, Amina, your protagonist's journey of healing, finding safety points the reader back to how significant it is to have people in our lives who just believe in us unconditionally, relentlessly. Does it feel like a mistake to think about this book as one that also is going to help readers really think about what it is that we are talking about when we're talking about the concept of friendship? My former church community was the biggest community I had. And I don't have, um, outside of my immediate family, I don't have family in the States. I haven't, I have a cousin and an aunt, um, but they didn't even live in the same state as me. And so I really struggled with community and with friendship after that, because I felt like I lost like 90, like 90% 90 of my friends were in that. Like, listen, when I say I was a church kid, like I was a church kid. Like I thought I was going to stay in my hometown and be in that church for the rest of my life. I like th that's, that's what I thought um, at a point. <laughs> and so I really had to do a lot of soul searching to find what community really means and what friendship really means. Um, what do I want my community and my friendships to look like? Um, yeah, and I think All the Fighting Parts was a part of that search. I think I was writing the community that Amina deserved, but also the community that I really longed for. And, and to be honest, I think it wasn't until writing All the Fighting Parts that I realized that you know, I may have lost that church community, but I had a whole community of folks that were there for me and who loved me like genuinely. Um, I'm thinking I, I used to slam. So my slam team, right? Um, my I was in a few organizations on a few very close organizations, close knit organizations on my campus. So those organizations. And I think I was so busy focusing on the way that my really like first community outside of my immediate family really hurt me that I didn't see that. And so writing all the fighting parts really made me 
realize, and I think Amina learns this too. I think she realizes that she just does not see people who want to support her. And she does not see the friendships that she already has. Um, you know, and it's totally understandable. Like I'm not angry at my myself for that. I do wish I realized some things sooner. Um, but you know, I think that's what this sort of trauma can can do to folks. Yeah, and I, I think it's, when you're young, it's a really difficult, complicated lesson to learn at the same time, because it's like you so heavily rely on friendship. And I think it's like, you understand it's necessary. You're grappling with your own identity at the same time. So to really be able to clearly see who is a person who is, is really there for me when, you know, they're also young working through figuring out their identity. Like it is, it is really tough. Um, you know, and, it's really and hard. This book is also written at a time, uh, I'll track this down. I think it was Pew Research that just came out and surveyed all the different generations to find out, you know, where folks are in terms of like, who is the loneliest generation. And I don't know if this is going to be surprising to you or not, but it is actually Gen Z, um, you know, it is reporting higher levels of loneliness than uh, I'm Gen X. Wait. Yes, I'm Gen X. I <laughs> get those confused. That is for the boomers. It's scary, right? And so, yeah. um, you know, that's that's another reason that I think you know schools who are updating classroom libraries, school libraries. I think this is also going to start an important conversation in that vein too. Um, you know, yeah. friends are important, but also you have to really be thinking about who is the friend that you need, and what does it mean for you to be that unconditional friend for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Amina has a, a rude awakening. Um, I think Amina really struggles, granted, you know, so understandable, but I think she really struggles to see that she's not alone, but she also really struggles to be a good friend too. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I, I love that because I think that's kind of, Amina is complicated and so are all the teens that I know. And so I think, again, many of them are going to appreciate. So are all the adults I know too. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 100%. So um, yeah, I, again, folks, I think updating your classroom library, your school library, your personal library, your local library, please do recommend this book. Um, I'm wondering, you know, I, I think that this is going to really, really resonate with a lot of folks. And whenever I have an author on, I always check in and say like, for that reader or that class who wants to connect with you and share with you their thoughts on the book. Um, I know some folks are saying like, I read every single Goodreads review and other authors are like, I really try to stay away from that, but you can contact <laughs> me on my website. Um, do you, do you have kind of like a preferred method of, of, uh, if folks want to kind of send you their, their thoughts and what yeah. your book means to them, how, how should they best do that? Um, I am on social media. Um, H A N N S A W Y E R R Hannah Sawyer on Instagram and Twitter. And then TikTok is my whole name, Hannah Sawyer. My preferred method though, actually thinking about that, my preferred method is actually probably the contact form on my website because it goes straight to my email. And I might not always see a comment on a video or a post, but 
I, I do check my email like it's my, <laughs> like, like it's an app. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so if you um, message me on the contact form on my website, I'll, it comes straight to my, straight to my email. Oh, great. Well, I feel like I don't know what generation you are, Hannah, but like, that's like, for some of us, yes, Gmail is like our version of TikTok. So no, um, yeah, <laughs> because with Instagram, it's like, like, if you, there's so many things that go into like requests, and it's just so easy to not see something by accident. I um, forget that my Instagram even has like the message option sometimes. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, folks, um, you know, again, it's it's good to know that you're on those platforms. If you are on uh, TikTok, like, and you're reading the book, sharing hashtag book talk, like I am finding more and more young people I know are finding books that way. Um, so uh, again, it's great to have a place to contact you, to have many different places to contact you. And I'm looking forward to just seeing uh, the rest of your, your book launch it has actually started today. Today, um, today. this is, I, I, thank you. Listen, I think you are so lovely. <laughs> and this was such a lovely way to kick off the day. It's, we started this, um, I live in LA. So it was 8 a.m. when we started my time. I requested 8 a.m. by the way. Thank you for accommodating me. <laughs> um, and listen, this is such a wonderful, wonderful way to start the day. And just thank you so much. Oh, I'm I'm so happy to hear that. Like Hannah, the the book was just incredible. Like I I you know found myself going back and forth, back and forth again and again. And I can't wait to hear the response from fellow readers. So folks, please do head over to the show notes, learn about getting your copy. We have a giveaway as well. You can learn more about that in the show notes. And I have no doubt um, this is going to be on numerous must read lists because it absolutely is a must read book. So thank you again for, for sharing with listeners and I hope you enjoy the rest of your book launch. Congratulations again, Hannah. Thank you so, so, so much. Such a pleasure, honestly.